Hey everyone, it's Jim Ambusky, and this is Conversations at the Washington Library. It's mid-March 2020, and chances are you're listening to this episode from the comfort of your home, practicing some social distancing. Over the past few weeks, businesses and schools have suspended public operations to help slow the spread of the coronavirus. I should note here that Mount Vernon and the Washington Library are closed to the public through March 30th, but that doesn't mean we're not hard at work doing what we can to help students, teachers, and scholars make the most of this uncertain moment. As I'm sure you know, many grade schools, colleges, and universities have shifted to online learning for some or even the duration of the spring term. So we've created a new website full of some of our best resources, as well as a few from our friends to help facilitate learning in an online environment. On today's episode, Sadie Troy of Mount Vernon's Education Department joins me to discuss our new site, which you can find at www.mountvernon.org slash online learning. There you will find a variety of great resources to keep your brain engaged and help you expand your knowledge about George Washington and his early American world. Sadie helps us to understand how this new site is an extension of her department's heavy investment in digital learning, one designed to speak to a variety of audiences who are transitioning to online learning in this moment. As always, thanks to our listeners out there. We hope you are well wherever you are. And now, let's get on with the show. Well, hi, Sadie. Welcome back to the program. Thanks, Jim. I cannot tell you how excited I was to get the call to come back. Well, it was like the bat signal. It, it truly is. I mean, I, I honestly feel like a movie star that's been called up for the sequel. <laughs> exactly. Like Airplane 2 or something exactly, like that. Exactly, right. I mean, this must be what Jennifer Aniston feels like every day of her life, getting getting that call. Well, I imagine so. I mean, I'm not very glad that you feel that way right now. <laughs> I just, yeah. So last time you were on the program, you were with Trey Alsop, and you were talking about our new uh, live-action role-playing game, or LARP, called The Situation Room. And that uh, enables students, teachers, professionals, uh, really anybody who wants to play uh, in situ here at the library to experience what it was like dealing with some of the major threats and crises facing the United States in 1793, uh, including uh, a potential war with France and uh, whiskey rebellions and other things like that. That situation room does not cover the yellow fever epidemic of 1793, but interestingly enough, we find ourselves here in March 2020 uh, on a kind of furlough at the moment uh, due to the coronavirus. And so one of the things that we've been we've been doing here at Mount Vernon is thinking about ways that we can assist teachers, students, professional educators, scholars to continue doing their work as we suddenly find ourselves transitioning to online learning in a very uh, fast-paced and ever-changing environment at the moment. And uh, Sadie, I just wanted to start out by talking about or asking you, um, you know, what you've been hearing from teachers, if anything at all at this point. Uh, We know we do We do host a number of teachers' institutes and teacher workshops. Those are kind of in flux right now uh, for the foreseeable future, but we're wheeling and dealing as we go along. But um, what have you been hearing from folks in the last few days as we've been accommodating ourselves to this uh, hopefully temporary reality? Yeah, um, quite a bit, actually. Um, And, of course, it's all different, and uh, it's not uniform at all. Uh, with with teachers. Um, some schools are closing, some schools are not. Um, teachers, they're, they're trying to figure this out. They're, you know, they're moving from classroom learning to online learning that their schools are pushing and not sure how to fully 
um, embrace some of the new technologies that are out there. Um, some teachers are teaching for an hour a day with students. Some teachers are looking to fill whole seven, eight hours. Um, you know, some teachers are trying to battle, do students have Wi-Fi at home? Do they mm-hmm. have access to online learning? Um, so it's definitely kind of a little bit of a madhouse out there, a little bit, if I'm allowed to use that term. Well, it's probably the appropriate description. I mean, just by looking at Twitter over the last few days, uh, it's been great and inspirational in the way that people are sharing resources and sharing advice and offers of help. And and as we sort of figure out, um, you know, as you say, uh, how to get students online, do students have relevant access? I mean, my kids' school sent out a survey asking us what, what technology we have at home. Can our modems, if we have them, support you know, high-speed upload and downloads mm-hmm. to accommodate things like Zoom and uh, Marco Polo and WebEx and what other kinds of various uh, uh, communication uh, tools or apparatuses we'll be using. Um, and uh, I, I can say from personal experience, I mean, we had a, a couple of hiccups uh, at home yesterday, but the kids finally got sort of accommodated and, and could have a brief conversation with their teachers and were doing activities and they could report back in. But, you know, uh, we may have had it slightly easier than I think a lot of other people have had it so far. And so um, I, a Madhouse is probably the best description. We're just all sort of trying to figure this out as we go along. Yeah, it's... Uh... It's definitely, I mean, we're kind of in the first week, so there there is a big learning curve. But, I mean, as you said, the sharing of resources, I mean, if there is a community out there who is the most supportive um, and the most in tune with each other in the community and already fully invested in how they can best support um, learning in students and learning in classrooms. I mean, it is absolutely the teacher community out there. I mean, when when they find something that works for them, they are the first to share it. They are the first to embrace the challenges with each other and take them on. So it, it is a crazy madhouse. And but you know, the, it is nice to see that these teachers definitely are still relying on each other and helping each other through this time, looking for the best practical. Um, practices to bring from the classroom with their students, um, sharing what works, what didn't. Um, and we are absolutely here um, to support in that, in the sharing of ideas, in the practicing of technologies, um, in the investigation of what content can and can't work. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm really fascinated to see, too, the kind of innovation that comes out of this. I mean, we are moving to this sort of situation very quickly, as we've just mentioned, but uh, there already seems to be a lot of innovation out there uh, in helping students learn and stay engaged and helping, you know, adults and, and older students who are in, you know, either college or in graduate school or still in the 25th grade or something like that, <laughs> uh, do their work or their research right. as best they can. So one of the things I wanted to ask you as we started out here, and we're going to talk about um, some of the work that we're doing to help people stay engaged during this time, but... Could you talk to us a little bit about the education department here at Mount Vernon? Um, a lot of folks who may have encountered it or have seen it online you know, may think of it solely uh, as a department that's geared towards bringing teachers to Mount Vernon, to the Washington Library during spring break or the summer for teacher institutes and workshops, and, and we'll still do plenty of that. Mount Vernon's educational department has a pretty robust 
digital presence already and is sort of geared towards online learning. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is kind of an up and down time period for a lot of people and a lot of educators. um, But it's something that I don't know if this is the right term, but we are a bit comfortable with here in our education department, the online learning Mm -hmm, aspect mm -hmm, of it, mm -hmm. I should say. Um, We are very well known for our uh, George Washington Teacher Institute. Um, This past year, 2019, you know, we've been lucky enough, we just celebrated our 20th anniversary. Um, So for 20 years, we've been bringing teachers from all around the country to be on site um, and experience different educational values that we can provide for them, um, content, estate experiences, uh, meetings with field experts that work at Mount Vernon, but then also professional experts in the educational world. Um, And so we're kind of, we've been lucky that we've been able to grow and become known for this and develop great relationships with teachers around the country because of it. But one of the things that our department has also been focusing on in the last five years um, is our digital presence um, and how we can increase the study of George Washington, the 18th century, how we can help with um, teaching strategies and classroom practices for teachers um, from here at Mount Vernon. Um, It's one of the reasons that when the new research library that we are sitting in recording this podcast was built, um, the education department was moved here um, as a great space to be connected to the um, original documents, to the academic scholarships of staff and fellows, um, to put us right in the middle of everything so that then we can twist and manipulate these resources and pump them out to teachers online. Um, So, you know, we've been very involved in creating videos and interactives like the Situation Room that we've discussed um, if you listen to my first podcast uh, with Trey Alsop back this fall. Um, But also Be Washington and interactives that can be played in the classroom. Um, We've worked to build distance learning programs where we call in to teachers and speak with students directly. Um, You know, we've really tried to figure out how Mount Vernon um, can help within the four walls of the classroom, how, how we can really, truly be more than just a field trip destination, more than just a, ooh, the in-laws are in, where should we go, what should we do with them, let's head up to Mount Vernon type of great attraction site, um, but that we do have the opportunity to really, really help um, around the country. And that's, that's kind of been our focus. So digital learning is nothing new to us. Um, and it's something that we never shy away from and are kind of using this opportunity to really push it forward in our reach and find out and help other teachers discover how we can, we can help them. Now we should note that as of, uh, what is today, March, uh, March the 18th, 2020, uh, we are on the first week of a projected two week uh, closure to the public. So there are no in-laws coming to Mount Vernon right now uh, or anybody besides uh, key staff at the moment. Um, I guess we're key staff, so we're sitting here. Look at us. Exactly. <laughs> Who would have thought, Jim? Exactly. Who would have thought? We've made it. We have made it. <laughs> um, but you're right. We are 
uh, built for online and distance learning. Uh, we have a great number of digital resources. And one of the things that we thought about doing almost immediately as it became clear that a public closure might be likely, and certainly as it was clear that schools were transitioning to online learning for at least uh, the next few weeks, if not for the foreseeable future, uh, through the end of the school year, uh, at both the university and the uh, elementary K through 12 levels, we began to think about ways that we could make resources uh, more available, or I should say, more efficiently available uh, to our various constituencies. And so we came up with a website that you can go to with a number of resources. It's www.mountvernon.org slash online learning. And there you'll find uh, a curated collection of some of our best stuff, uh, podcasts, uh, digital resources, uh, like maps, uh, primary documents, or lesson plans, or 18th century recipes. So if you're interested in um, testing out your chemistry skills uh, through cooking, have at it, and you know, send us a tweet uh, with your finest creation. Uh, but Sadie, could you talk about some of the sort of bro- broad overarching goals we had in mind when we were putting together this particular website that people can go to to get this kind of content? Yeah, absolutely. You know, our first goal was to create a spot where it's all in one place, um, to make the lives of the teachers and the educators of all ages uh, and the students um, a nice kind of digestible landing page where everything is right there um, and and they can start their research, start their investigations, and then kind of kick off from there. Um, but absolutely, I mean, we our goal was to showcase um, some of the incredible items that Mount Vernon has to offer. I think um, one thing that sometimes we don't praise enough on our sites is is we have the leading experts in the fields that work here. We have an archaeology department, historic preservation that takes incredible care of the house, um, the curatorial department, um, and so these primary sources that we have um, in our special collections library are all full of incredible opportunities um, to bring in the classroom and bring in learning. And that was one of the things that we wanted to put together to make sure that our collections, even though you cannot see them on site at the moment, are absolutely still available to learn from, to, to understand the power of primary source objects and documents and teaching with place through our virtual tour. Um, and so bringing together those items. Um, and our whole idea with this hub page along with showcasing everything was we want to do it in a way where we can meet what the teachers need. I mean, these teachers um, are all kind of, you know, teaching in different phases and understanding online learning from different angles and coming with different abilities. Um, And so we want to be there to help them in the best ways that they see fit. Um, So providing content, um, digital encyclopedia, entries, um, online collections that they can have students review, showing our videos um, and the the dynamic range of of teaching the Constitution or the Battle of Yorktown through exciting videos that students can watch and uh, and remark about it. Um, We have highlighted our Be Washington, where they actually become Washington um, and make decisions that he's facing 
you know, in certain times of travel during the Revolutionary War, during his time as president. Um, so it was a way to present to teachers what we have so that they could pick and choose mm-hmm. and figure out what works best for their students there. So why don't we actually just pull up the website here, which, of course, you can't see uh, on the radio, but we encourage you to go again to the website, www.mountvernon.org slash online learning, and we can talk about uh, the specific categories that we've created and some of the fun stuff uh, that we've put in there, some of which we've already previewed, but um, it'd be nice to sort of give people a, a concrete sense of what they might encounter once they go to online learning uh, at Mount Vernon. Um, so one of the first categories we created was is called interactive learning and media. And Sadie, you already alluded to the fact that, that B. Washington is one of our big uh, virtual uh, role-playing experiences that people can do. Uh, but we've also got a number of other interesting items in there, uh, like the Mount Vernon Digital Virtual Tour. And probably one of my favorites, since I just did one of these videos, uh, is the Ask Mount Vernon video series. Uh, And Sadie, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so the Ask Mount Vernon video series um, is one that we created last year um, and are really excited to to see this kind of uh, project grow, but the premise of it is that students have submitted questions Um, and filmed questions that they have about George Washington, about Mount Vernon, about the enslaved community here, about different subjects from the 18th century. Um, And then we pair those videos with um, information from our experts here. Um, So, I mean, naturally, I'm sitting across from one of the the smartest ones here. So, of course, (laughs) he uh, filmed his answer. What was your topic? How did George Washington make his money? Ooh, we won't give spoilers. You'll have to go watch exactly. the video. Um, but it, it's a great opportunity. And one of the, there were a few reasons of why we, you know, created these videos. They're short. They're, they're all about under three minutes long. Um, and a, again, as we talked about, a range of topics. Um, but it's a great way for um, students to interact with museums. Our, our goal in creating um, dynamic videos like this and the series again it's it's to push so that students understand that we are more than just the field trip destination but that we can help with research for classroom papers or national history day projects um, or different academic um, endeavors that they're taking on that you know looked look to your museum friends for information um, so this was a fun way to do it, and it's a really fun way so that students, when they search the Mount Vernon site, they see people just like them. They kind of see themselves in the collections and, and in the resources that we have to offer to really build that connection. And I would be remiss if I didn't mention the fact that in our interactive and, and media learning section, we also have a link to this podcast. Um, you know, the podcast is much more uh, for a sort of more adult audience uh, or upper-level high school student and college, certainly. Uh, so it may not be substantive things there that little people could listen to, but uh, for parents out there, these might be a good way for you to help understand some of the lessons that your students are learning and sort of help you give additional insight or guidance. I think that's a great thing to point out is that, you know, while the podcast might 
interest older learners or, or parents to get background information, you'll notice that on this website, nothing is divided into age groups. Um, nothing is specifically designed for people of certain levels or learning um, because we're leaving that up to the audience. The teachers know what their students, what their levels are at, and how they can take the virtual tour and create different activities that you know, our fourth grade audience can do compared to the activities that our 12th grade audience can do. Um, but that doesn't mean that it needs to be limited to a certain age group. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a great thing to point out is that, you know, this isn't for teachers, this isn't for students, this is for everyone. And the education world um, is comfortable in itself and can know how to manipulate um, these examples. I mean, a great example is B. Washington in the classroom. When it was designed, a lot of people thought this would target um, a, a middle school audience. Um, I have a very close friend who's a teacher in St. Louis um, who teaches fourth grade, but saw this interactive and knew that when studying the Revolutionary War, this would be a great thing for her students, um, but she would pause along the way pull up a PowerPoint to give a little bit more background information, mm. so walked them through it in a more detailed way that the eighth graders weren't, but the students were still understanding the premise, still got to make the decision that Washington did. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, even though some things may interest older audiences, there are cool ways to pull it in um, that educators know way better than we do how right. to do that. Yeah, I think our goal with this was simply to put the resources in a digestible form in easy categories and then, as you rightly say, let people use it as they see fit uh, without sort of us getting in the way of dictating lesson planning or anything like that. Absolutely. And and when I say that we're kind of, you know, we're, we're really taking the teacher's lead on all of this online learning. Um, so, you know, our initial goal is put it out there, show them that it's there, show them you know, the academic capabilities that it that it has, um, and then let them take it in, figure out how they can best manipulate it, and then how we can help them do that even better. So if that is just providing more videos for them or showing them different areas that they follow up or answering questions that they have, um, great. Or if they see a digital collection um, online, which is if you are on the website, the second um, section um, showcases a lot of our kind of our e-museum is sometimes mm -hmm. what we call it. So we have curatorial collections. We have our special collections from our library um, exhibit information from our Lives Bound Together exhibit on slavery at Mount Vernon. Um, we have connections to the papers of George Washington, all types of great information. But so when teachers see that and they they get the idea and they need a little extra information, we're happy to build on that. We're mm -hmm. kind of following their lead, how they want to do that. If they see the collection on objects and want to talk to one of our curators and have them meet with students, we're happy to add that follow-up. Yeah, so that's a great point. I mean, we're talking now about, about the uh, second section, which is the digital primary sources. So we have assembled, as you said, uh, the uh, digital page for our museum collections. So you can actually go and look at many of the objects that are actually in our museum collections. You know, things from, you know, chinaware to material culture like fabric, uh, paintings, portraits, things like that. Uh, we've also included, as Sadie, as you said, 
the papers of George Washington, and here we've linked out to partner institutions like the National Archives, which hosts Founders Online, which is the free open source um, uh, site that houses the papers of the major figures of the founding generation. We've also got the financial papers of George Washington, uh, built by our friends at the University of Virginia, which if you're interested in doing some math uh, or looking at uh, how people did accounting in the 18th century, that's the site for you. And we've also linked to a lot of our sources dealing with the enslaved community here at Mount Vernon, particularly the Lives Bound Together exhibition. There is a physical installation here at Mount Vernon that will run through the end of uh, October, but we've linked to the, the virtual uh, uh, version of that site. We've also linked to our archaeological collections as well, and so you can get a sense of how people were living just based off the stuff thrown in what's called a mitten or a trash pit, uh, or uh, how Native American communities who lived in this area long before the Washingtons were even on the tongues of people around here, you know, what their lives were like based on the artifacts that they dropped on the ground. And we've also linked uh, to our map collections. You've heard me talk before about the Richard H. Brown Revolutionary War map collection. We've linked to that here. So go look at some really sweet maps of 18th century North America and the American Revolution. And just one more plug for a partner project. Uh, my colleague at the American Philosophical Society, uh, Janine Bolt, who has been on the program before talking about maps, she's put together a really remarkable site called Colonial Virginia Portraits, which showcases some of the, I think, north of 400 known portraits from Ooh. 17th and 18th century Virginia and brought them all together in one place. And those are great ways to look at how people were depicted in that period, but also, you know, commentaries on race and class in the 17th and 18th century. And that site features a number of Washington or Custis portraits as well. That sounds like a great resource. Teachers love nothing more than teaching with images and being able to like visually capture the time period and the interest for the students. Yeah, it's one of my favorite teaching techniques. I mean, there's so much you can get out of a portrait, and especially a, a portrait of an aristocratic family because you can get a concrete sense of their wealth, but also about how class is structured in the 18th mm -hmm. century by the positions of the peoples relative to each other in a portrait like that. Absolutely. And it's one that hits every single grade level. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is one that older kids and our young learners can look at and pull different things out, see things that are like them, see things that are not like them, and kind of better understand and make connections. So it is absolutely one of our favorite teaching techniques. Yeah. And it's, those are great things, you know, as you said, what they're not seeing, right? You look at a portrait of a uh, member of the Virginia Gentry in the 18th century, Clearly, they have wealth, they have status, but the underlying question is, how is that all possible? Who's making that possible for them? Mm -hmm. And certainly, for people like the Washingtons and others, and there's an enslaved community behind that that you don't see in those portraits, or sometimes you get a brief hint uh, of, of what's behind that opulence, but only just. Right. And so you can ask a ton of cool questions. Yeah, so that great introduction to those deeper comments mm -hmm. and thinking. That's it. Yeah, kudos to your... Uh your colleague for putting that together. You said she was on the podcast before. Yeah, uh, they were. How many times? Uh, just once. So she's not a she she's not a repeat bat signal. Got a call back. Well, I have asked her to be on the podcast in the future to talk specifically about that. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry, Sadie. <laughs> Our third section is dedicated to digital secondary sources. 
So here you'll find sources like the Digital Encyclopedia of George Washington, lesson plans for teachers, uh, information about slavery and the enslaved community at Mount Vernon. A lot of these sources are uh, interpretive pieces done by historians or our ed team here to help people understand what life was like in the 18th century and to give them sort of the basic background information that they might need to help you interpret some of those primary sources we just talked about. Big fan of primary sources and uh, we absolutely love them here in Mount Vernon, but I think that this digital secondary source section um, is absolutely vital. Um, I love kind of using these when reaching out directly to students who have reached out um, asking questions on topics um, because kind of each of these that we've set up are almost their own little mini hub pages, um, and they're great um, places for the students and educators and everyone to, to get that first initial bite of content, to get that little bit uh, of background information, um, to then know what topics interest you or what areas to dive deeper into. And naturally, because we are Mount Vernon, um, all of these sites that are, are, you know, these background informations and these secondary sources are completely linked and footnoted um, and connected to all of our different primary sources that back up that research, whether they're letters um, that George Washington wrote from our special collections or, you know, archaeological artifacts that were, were found um, at various places around the estate. Um, so all of this information is completely backed by the scholarly content, but it's, it's presented in that nice as Jim said, digestible way um, to get that that first bite of content to know how deep, how much deeper you um, to dive into. Yeah, and as I said, you know, a great place to start is the Digital Encyclopedia of George Washington. Uh, that's one of the projects I run uh, here at the Center for Digital History in Mount Vernon. But I think maybe my favorite section in this uh, particular subject category is the historical performance and interpretation section where you can see videos of individuals uh, performing in character as of people who would have lived at Mount Vernon in the 18th century. Um, and if you've had a chance to listen to my conversation with Sheila Arnold, who portrays One Judge, um, that's a good introduction to uh, historical performance interpretation. And then here you'll get to see some videos of, of folks around the estate, uh, both enslaved and free, uh, talking to you as they uh, as they would have talked to someone in character uh, in the 18th century. And Jim, I absolutely agree with you. I think that those are, are really powerful videos, and I think that this is highlighting that we keep dropping Mount Vernon videos, videos, videos um, on this because um, they are embedded all over our website, and and some of them are the great interactive B Washingtons and the the big budget. Um, Steven Spielberg produced, right, I'm like kidding, in not. a world <laughs> type of video. Um, but some of them are simple five-minute videos um, that highlight life in the, in the 1700s at Mount Vernon. These historical um, performances and interpretation from our character interpreters are great examples of that. Um, we also have a lot um, that come from our historic trades department. They showcase mm. different um, 
farming videos on how plowing worked or treading at the 16-sided horse barn worked at Mount Vernon um, or cooking demonstrations. Uh, I just saw one on Facebook the other day on how to make a pumpkin pie for pie day. Um, I mean, but so these, these are great short videos, but another way to kind of connect um, that initial dive mm-hmm. into the content and to the world um, and and to see what it was like. Are there any videos about the distillery on there? Oh, absolutely. Um, the Gristmill and Distillery have quite a few videos, and actually you can watch on uh, the Mount Vernon website under the Gristmill and Distillery, you can watch start to finish how the Gristmill would have worked, mm. taking the grain, all of the different levers and pulleys and I'm saying scientific things that I don't even know if they really are true but it's a great way to introduce them into the classroom um, with these videos Uh, so yeah absolutely see how the corn goes from corn down to cornmeal and there are videos on how to how they distill um, and turn you know all those different wheat rye and barley into um, whiskey which is great because we could all use a drink right now. Happy St. Patrick's Day, Jim. <laughs> exactly. Same to you. In our fourth section, it really is dedicated more towards younger learners. We've got a section called Online Student Learning Opportunities, including some of my favorites, interactive coloring pages uh, and uh, games and quizzes. But also we've got a number of different uh, subject-specific lesson plans for teachers should they be so inclined? And Sadie, tell the people what they've won. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Yeah, no, this is a really great site. This is one of those um, where it is, it, it's student-forward kind of activities that they get to do on their own, have fun, explore. Um, the coloring pages, as Jim mentioned, are awesome because you get to color them digitally, but you can also print them out and color them at home, too, um, if if you know you get frustrated by by the mouse in the certain little nicks and crannies mm-hmm. uh, of the of the boat, it's probably kind um, of hard to keep it in the lines when you're using a mouse. Right. It's hard enough with crayons and colored pencils. For some, Jim, it's hard enough for some. Thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. Um, <laughs> but the the lesson plans are very exciting. One of the things um, this past year we've done uh, partnerships with McGraw Hill. Um, they are an incredible. Uh, educational resource, um, and we have created some great lesson plans, as he said, um, topic-specific on our site, um, where students, especially in the younger generations is, or younger um, elementary age level, um, can explore topics uh, about wheat farming, um, about Washington's travels, and about making ice cream at Mount Vernon. These are all inquiry-led Absolutely great activities, um, and it's one of those that can be assigned by teachers, but students can complete it completely on their own, mm-hmm. print off, send responses, um, so they're fun. And then we also have games and quizzes. They can play a George versus George uh, and figure out if certain things relate more to George Washington or that dreaded King George Third. Hey, now. Sorry. <laughs> He's a friend of mine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you guys buddies? Yeah, I rummaged through his papers. Uh, and again, it, it kind of rounds out with some of those great uh, historic recipes that Jim was talking about. Um, you know, if anybody wants to start their morning out looking for a new tasty dish uh, during our 
our homestays, uh, hoe cakes, swimming in honey and butter were always a favorite uh, that Washington um, requested for breakfast here at Mount Vernon. That's about the only thing he, he could eat, right, because of his... Right, it was a soft food. It right. It was a, not much chewing involved. Right, easy on the dentures or the gums. Right. Whatever was left at that point. Um, Who's hungry? Not, I'm, I would take some of that ice cream. I mean, I'm looking at the picture right now, and you should too. Go online to mountvernon.org slash online learning and take a peek. Sadie, that raises the questions as I think we're wrapping up here. Um, how can students and teachers and parents get in contact with us if there's something they would like to see? Um, you know, we've curated some of our best from our own websites, and we've pulled in a few uh, resources from our partners. But if there's something else they'd like to see, should they contact you? Or Absolutely. Um, absolutely. We, As we said, this is, our goal was to kind of get this information out, um, but then take the lead from the parents, the teachers, the students on what next, what more, how can we enhance this and make this better for your learning or your teaching. Um, So absolutely um, get back to us. Uh, Email is a great way, education at mountvernon.org. Come straight to our education department. Um, and is a, a great way to reach us. Um, these resources, you know, we are also trying to share on social media. That is a great mm-hmm. platform that we have found to reach people. Um, and so all of our social media channels, uh, a few of which my colleague here runs himself. I do. Um, you know, are, are highly monitored and are constantly um, checked to make sure that you know, we're answering questions or providing resources. So shoot information through those. Um, if you, on our website, search distance learning programs um, at mountvernon.org, uh, we can also set up distance learning opportunities where our experts talk with your students. So I don't want to overwhelm people, but there are a ton of ways. I mean, we try and make ourselves mm-hmm as open to the public um, and especially the educational community as much as we can. Sure. And as you say, as you said, in addition to the email address you gave, was it education at mountvernon.org? Education at mountvernon.org. You, you know, feel free to tweet at us at, at GWBooks uh, on Twitter. Uh, that's that's the main way to reach us uh, through social media uh, and probably the uh, the education at mountvernon.org is probably the best email address at this point. Absolutely. Um, so please feel free to use those two mediums to try to reach us, uh, ask questions, suggestions. Uh, and if there's a resource that you're using that relates to the 18th century that you're finding particularly useful, we'd really like to know about it. Uh, and that way, you know, we can help other people know about it too. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. We are always looking to to find out how we can create new items. Um, and just one little plug too, um, as we kind of mentioned in, you know, in the early part of this podcast, thank you for sticking through with us, um, that, you know, teachers are, are experiencing these new technologies for the first time. This is their first attempt at Zoom, or this is their first attempt at online learning. Um, this is not ours. So even if you don't have, even if there aren't questions about the content or it's just, I don't know how to log on to Skype and talk to somebody, connect with my students, or connect to an outside vendor. Um, reach out to us. This, as, as Jim knows, he's the digital historian. 
you know, the digital world is our forte. We understand these and are happy to help explain those resources, um, even if we're not the uh, initial request on the form. Exactly. <laughs> we're still here. The our, our mission is preservation and education, mm-hmm. and we are here to support that in any means possible. Yep. So check with your IT department first, and if you strike out there, then you know, shoot us an email. We'd be happy to help in any way that we possibly can. Uh, well, Sadie, I suppose we should wrap up. Uh, thank you very much for your second appearance here on the program. Jim, this was great. I mean, I don't want to get too excited and start talking about a third, but I really thoroughly enjoyed number two. Well, good. I mean, given the uncertainty, but also the potential for creativity these days, we might see some very interesting innovations. So maybe we'll have you back in a few months to talk about the great things that actually came out of this strange situation. Fingers crossed. My, I'm, I'm, I'm clearing my calendar now. I'm, I'm, all, I'm all on board. All right. That sounds great. All right, everybody. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Uh, we will uh, keep rolling out podcasts as usual, including next week. Uh, but in the meantime, uh, stay safe, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you all. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Conversations, a production of the Fred W. Smith National Library for the Study of George Washington. This episode was hosted and produced by me, Jim Ambusky. Our music was composed and performed by Ginger and David Hillebrand. If you'd like to support this podcast, as well as new research into George Washington and his world, please consider making a contribution to Mount Vernon. You can find more information on the webpage for this podcast at www.mountvernon.org podcast. Thanks, and we'll see you next time.